0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus talked about in John 10.10. And everyone has a different perception of what church is based on our many different experiences and influences. Well, in his letter to Philemon, Paul provides a great model for what the church is intended to be. This series is called The Letter. Pastor Sean's message is called Life in the Family. It's time for Real Life Radio.
0: Church is filled with imperfect people because that's the only kind God has. Remember, I've told you before, if you ever find that perfect church, don't go there because you will screw it up. Please. But it's like, but Father, I, I want that relationship. I just don't want all this well god doesn't offer that it's a family it's how it works you embrace the faith you get the family so many of the problems in the church i think are as a result of how we see ourselves we got to ask ourselves are we an organization or a family most of us don't act like we really see the church as family when something happens that we don't like Preacher says something, my community group leader does something, one of the ministry leaders says something, another brother or sister in a ministry says something, and I don't like it, I'm out of here. I'm going to go find one I like better. Well, it doesn't work that way, not when you're family. See, some people think this is a big church issue. Well, big churches have this problem, or small churches. It is not a big church, small church issue. I have seen godlessness that would blow your mind in both large churches and small churches. Whenever we cease to see God as he is or ourselves as God intends for us to be, we're prone to these kind of problems, and we cease to be the church. Here's the deal. Weekends together should be a huge, big family gathering. That's what this is. It's a big family gathering. We invite guests to join us. We hope guests will join us. But what they should see and experience is an amazing gathering of the family of God. That's what supposed to be when we get together in community groups it's more now a smaller grouping a closer knit expression of the family of god ephesians 1 5 says in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will we're adopted into a family he's the father we're the brothers and sisters first peter two seventeen show proper respect to everyone love the family of believers fear god honor the emperor in First Thessalonians five twelve through 14, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Notice how he keeps saying, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters and for us we get that right we've heard the references we know the religious vernacular okay i grew up in a pentecostal church everybody was brother or sister okay it wasn't you know mr decker it was brother decker mr hansen Br- brother hansen you know sister hansen i mean that was the that was the deal that's how we knew them and that's the only way we knew them so it was real normal do you know when paul wrote these letters and when the new testament writers wrote this they weren't they this was odd to them Brothers and sisters thing, but they're not. My family, they're like, everybody's like Forrest Gump. We are not relations, why are you, you know. Probably no more Forrest Gump, no, no, not, not here, bad time. But you know, we're not related. Why do you keep calling us brothers and sisters? It's not, that's not real. What are you doing here? This is deeply entrenched in Paul's theology. In the theology of the church, this idea that we are family. And to them, they're hearing it for the first time. And they're like, wow, he's communicating something. And it was a little bit shocking, but it was crystal clear what it meant. Our familiarity with the terms has probably watered it down a lot. I think the creative team's video probably is a little more what they were envisioning. What are you saying, brothers and sisters, family? I think one of the most broken things about the contemporary church is that we've lost our identity As family, and we need to get it back. I think in this letter, Paul models five qualities of family that define the church. I want to go through them real quickly for you. Five qualities of family that define the church. The first is families belong to one another. Families belong to one another. In this letter, it's obvious. There he has rights to say things, and and there's this relationship, they belong to each other. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Paul begins the letter, you know, with the family name. He says, describe himself as a prisoner of Christ. Do you know that's the family name? We all bear the name of Christ. We are one. We all bear the name of Christ. He uses the labels, brother, sisters, sons, daughters. We are all in this together and we are truly one. We belong to each other. You know, the reality is I can get upset with my brother. I've probably fought with my brother like I've never fought with anybody else, either either one of my brothers. I can get upset, but they're still my brother. You know, and and I mean we we fought, okay? Three boys in a family, yeah, you know, we threw down. My wife, I remember when Lori and I were dating and she was around and my, she saw my brother and I get into a fight and she was like, she went in shock. Like, uh, she had a sister and a brother and so she never, you know, two girls, one boy, it wasn't the same, right? We had that testosterone thing going around a lot, you know. And this huge old fight and she's like, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. And I'm like, what? It's my brother. I mean, it just was. <laughs> the people laughing right now have multiple boys. <laughs> they know what we're talking about. I mean, we we could duke it out like crazy. But let someone else start messing with one of my brothers? I mean, we're like, we we attack in packs. We're like velociraptors. We come at different angles, you know? You don't mess with one of our family because you're going to mess with all of us because they're our family. We take care of each other. Yeah, we can throw down. We can say hard truths to each other. We might have to apologize and work it out, but we're family. And here's the deal. I can get mad at my brother. I can look him in the face and say, you're not my brother anymore. You know what? He's still my brother. He can just stand there and go, yes, I am. What can I do about it? We are brothers. My opinion of that doesn't change anything, right? That's just the truth. Do you understand in Christ it's the same thing? The reason my brother is my brother no matter what I say or think is because physically he's my brother. It just is. Do, do you understand in Christ when we accept Jesus Christ's gift on the cross, our salvation, and we are given a new spirit, it is the spirit of Christ that comes to reside in us. Do you realize in a very powerful and real way that we have been transformed? It says anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. We are all in Christ as followers of Jesus. That means we're connected That means you are my brothers and sisters. I can get mad at you. I can storm off. You can get mad at me. You can storm off. That doesn't in any way change the fact that we bear the name and the spirit of Christ. And as much as my physical brother and I are one and we are brothers, you and I are brother and sister. It's just the way it is. And we need to understand that's the assumption that Paul is bringing into this conversation. That's the theological truth. He's trying to get these churches to understand about one another. You belong to each other because you are family, and that changes everything. We're one. When what happens to you happens to me. First Corinthians twelve twenty six. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let something great happen to one of my nieces or nephews. I'll be bragging. about you think it happened to me? You think I did it? They did it. But 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 I'm. It, If it happens to them, it happens to me. Something bad happens to one of them. They're going through something hard. The family texts start coming. We start praying. I'm thinking about it. Lori and I are talking about it. We're praying. We're calling the next day. How's it going? Because if it's bad and it's happening to them, it's happening to me. They're suffering. I'm suffering. Because we're family. That's what the scripture says about us. That's how family should operate. Because we belong to each other. You see, the strength of the church is found in this bond of family. And it's deeply rooted in the nature of our spiritual restoration. Second thing Paul models beautifully here is families build each other up. Families build each other up. Now you notice Paul begins by affirming and encouraging both Philemon and Onesimus. And he is, and it's it's not insincere. If you know Paul, there is not an ounce of insincerity in the guy. The apostle Paul is pretty hard-hitting. But he truly, genuinely, honestly affirms them and builds them up. He also is not afraid to bring correction and challenge where there needs to be because his goal is to build them up, not puff them up. Big difference. We're not puffing up, we're building, we're building up. And sometimes that involves some correction, some challenge, because he's committed to their betterment, their growth. And that's what we talk about in our community groups. We are committed to owning one another's spiritual growth. What that means is I want every person in my circle, in my community group, I'm committed to them becoming everything Christ intended for them to be. I want to see them reading the word regularly because that's a major step in growing into what Christ created us to be. I want them to get victory over the sins, struggles, and temptations of their life. Because that's a major step. I want to see them encouraged and built up. And so that sometimes means I will be their biggest cheerleader. And I'll celebrate. Sometimes it means speak a little bit of a hard truth. Listen to how Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says it. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I like that phrase. How can I help you live out the love and the good works that Christ created for you? Not neglecting to meet together. By the way, if you don't show up, if you're not one who shows up for your community group, you're not one who shows up here. And if you're one who doesn't show up here, then I'm talking to myself, so never mind. But if you're one who has a hard time making regular participation in the body of Christ, there's no way you can stir one another up to love and good deeds. You're not helping the body. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We encourage each other. We, we stir one another up to love and good deeds all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's how we're supposed to do it. We build each other up. The strength of the church is found in the bond of family.
1: Let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called The Letter. And if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand at the sermon page at the River City website called reallife.org. And a lot going on at River City Community Church. Here's Pastor Sean to tell you more.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message, Life in the Family. This is Real Life Radio.
0: Third thing we can see in Paul's letter, families tell each other the truth. Okay, Families tell each other the truth. And that's an important piece. We all need people to tell us the truth because any one of us can have blind spots. Any one of us can kid ourselves. And we need people who care about us to tell us the truth. Now, I think the church sometimes gets this a little weird because we think it's our job to tell everybody everything we know okay, everything they're doing wrong. I, I don't think that's what the scripture says. I don't think that I'm responsible to tell every stranger in the world what everything they're doing wrong. I don't believe that. But to those who are in the family, at some point, I have to speak the truth to them. You know, to someone who I have no relationship with and they come and tell me this crazy thing they're going to do, and you know, I've got a couple phrases. You, you can use these. These might be helpful to you. You know, someone comes and tell me something crazy. I'm good for you. Good for you. You see, that's a way to kind of nod, and, and, but you really have said nothing. Good for you. Another one is, good luck with that. You know, practice that with me. Good for you. Good luck with that, you know. And just get that kind of clueless look on your face. It helps. My family comes to me and says something crazy like this that they're going to do, or something crazy that they're, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? In, in love, of course. <laughs> because they're my family. Family tells each other the truth. Ephesians 4.15, very seriously, tells us exactly how to do this. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. That is such a powerful phrase. That's how we're supposed to do it. That's how we're supposed to do it. Speaking the truth in love. And here's a little tip. If you can't speak the truth in love, wait. Okay, it's not time yet. And there are times when, you know, oh, I got some truth for you. Oh, I want to speak some truth. Come here, give me, I got some truth for you right here. But I need to hold that, because speaking the truth in anger can totally dilute and even distort the benefit of the truth. So there's times to just wait. And then when I've prayed, when God's helped me see what he sees, he's helped me understand a little maybe of what you're walking through, then I'm supposed to speak the truth in love and vice versa. Powerful combination, man, to have a community where you know people will speak the truth because they want to build you up and want you to win. Not because they want to tear you down and see you stumble. How powerful is that? You know, Scripture talks about the wounds of a friend. That's what we're talking about. Someone who cares about you, loves you, and has your back. That's what family does. We tell each other the truth. And relationship's the key. We're talking about people who I have relationship with. The strength of the church is found in the bond of family. Number four, families talk to each other, not about each other. Oh, now I'm stepping over into meddling. Yes, I am. Families talk to each other, not about each other. We're talking about gossip. Interesting note, uh, the letter of Philemon was written probably almost the same time as the letter to Colossians. Well, Philemon was in Colossia. Paul didn't choose to air this out for everybody. He wrote a second letter, and it's just to Philemon. He dealt with this in private. He spoke to him about this issue and gave Philemon the chance to wrestle with this with Onesimus and to come to obviously a good place where this letter would not be distributed the way it was for the edification of the church and wouldn't be in our scriptures today. He spoke to him. Now, understand something about Paul. When someone publicly sinned against the body and was becoming such an affront to the body of Christ that they were becoming harmful, he would name names. And we see in some of the other books, we see him actually list names. There there are times when an affront that is so public and it happens and it's against the body that it has to be dealt with publicly, and Paul wasn't afraid to do that. But we're talking about something that wasn't in that category. We're talking about something that was just an issue, a personal issue, and Paul dealt with it like that. And he respected and protected Philemon in that. And I want to say to you, we as the body of Christ need to learn to do this. Gossip is a killer. Gossip is a killer, and it will destroy Christian community. And it's got to stop. We've got to determine together to make this a gossip-free zone. If you have something to say to someone, say it to them. Matthew 18 tells us exactly how to do it. If your brother sins, go to him. If Your brother repents, then you've won your brother. If he doesn't, then go with two or three more. So now a small group. You're still protecting this person. Go to him. Address it. If he still won't turn, still continues to live in that sin, still continues to hurt him or herself and those around them, then you bring it before the church. And by that, I don't think that means every person in the church. I, I believe that means leadership. And church leaders deal with that. And it says if that person won't turn even then when the church leadership talks to them, it says you treat them as an unbeliever. And what that means is you now, in your mind, understand, okay, there's this hindrance. This person is not following Jesus. We're going to treat them as someone who we're trying to draw into following Jesus. Not as a brother or sister. It's a big deal. But here's the deal. Don't try to outsmart the scripture, the sacred holy ancient scripture it's amazing how powerful it is when we actually just take the scripture and work it it's amazing the excuses i've seen for people when it comes to gossip i had one lady when i was a kid a friend of mine's mom from our church was talking bad about some people and someone said oh that you know shouldn't do that that's gossip She said, i'm not gossiping i'm not judging i'm just a fruit inspector jesus said you'll know them by their fruits and she was serving the body by inspecting the fruit and letting everybody know how her assess, what her assessment was. That's messed up, and we all know it. That is messed up. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's not how we're supposed to respond to that. Gossip is a killer. It's destructive. Listen to what Romans chapter 1 says. Says. Now remember Romans 1. Romans 1 is that passage of scripture we all know pretty well because it talks about how God has made his attributes known and we can know about him and know of him even just through nature. Just nature screams, there is a God and he loves us and he cares. He's God of order. So, so that he says there's no excuse. And remember what it talks about, it lists a bunch of sins. And one of the ones is same-sex attraction and same-sex sexuality, which the Bible condemns, along with lots of other sin. And we know about that one. Do you know what other sins are condemned with the strength of Romans chapter 1? Listen, listen to what it says, beginning at verse 29, 32. These are the ones who've rejected God and now doing their own thing. Okay? He says, They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways, new, they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Listen, although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Deserves death. Gossip and slander are listed as deserving death. It is a hurtful, dangerous sin against the body. It undermines the very core of who we are to be so I want to say, River City, I want us to agree to make this a place where we talk to each other, not about each other. Let's grow in that. I've told you before, a very simple way. If, if you've got someone who likes to gossip to you a lot, when someone comes to you with something that's gossip and you have this uncomfortable sense that, yeah, I, I don't need to be hearing this, you simply say, wow, that's very serious. Are you going to go talk to them or would you like me to go with you? And then just look at them. You going to go talk to them like the Bible says, or do you want me to go with you? Are we at that point now? And one of two things will happen. Either they will follow the biblical course, and the body will be built up, good stuff happens, or they will never gossip to you again. Either way, win-win. I'm serious. We just need to understand that, you know, and we had one young woman years ago was very involved in gossip and really hurtful and just talking bad about some leaders and when confronted she's like oh no that's not gossip I'm just asking my friends to pray and I've heard that one before yeah prayer request is not an excuse to demean someone or speak negatively about someone behind their back yeah it's not gossip it's true do you know that's not what gossip means gossip doesn't mean deceit it means talking about someone badly behind their back And I just want to challenge us to be a place that grows and does better and builds each other up in that. Because the strength of the church is found in the bond of family. And families talk to each other, not about each other. Last thing, families love each other. Families love each other. It's so overwhelming in this letter how much Paul obviously loves these people. That's what family does. Remember, love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. It's not merit-based. They don't have to earn it. Love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's what family does. It's tangible. It's practical. It's authentic. And let me say about this, about our ministries, about our community groups, about all of our, this fellowship, this should be a place where you know you can come for love, acceptance, healing, and rest. That doesn't mean people lie to you and won't tell you the truth. No, at some point in love, I hope they will tell you the truth. But you should be able to come and know you're going to be loved, accepted, find healing, and rest. See, family is home, and home should be a place where you're loved. We know home is that place where grandma's going to see you, and you know, she's going to come over for the holidays, and she's going to see you, and she's going to tell you you need a haircut. She tells you every year, every holiday, every time you see her, you need a haircut. You know, And, okay, th- okay grandma, thank you. I got the $5 you gave me last time. Haircut's $40, Grandma. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're a grandmother who gave your kid $5 for a haircut, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> but that's family, guys. That's family. That's how it works. It's okay. You know? You love Grandma. Your, your whole family culture is built on a foundation that she built. And in the same way in the body of Christ... We're part of something bigger. And just know, if there's a brother or sister annoying you or that does something that gets you, and you know, just know you're having that effect on somebody else. It's just the way the world works. And love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Let's let this be a place where we love one another. The secret to the church is a bond, a family. And Jesus said, this is how you'll know you're my disciples, if you love one another. Let's be that kind of disciple.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in a series called The Letter. But If you'd like to hear the full message and the series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210 490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.